0: Hey everyone, this is Dr. Matt with the Ethos Athletes podcast, and uh, today we're going to be starting our series on sleep. And for this particular series, I brought in uh, I brought in Phoenix specialist Dr. Troy Anderson, uh, who's the owner of Phoenix Neurology and Sleep Medicine. Uh, you know, Phoenix Neurology and Sleep Medicine is the largest privately owned clinic in Phoenix and the largest sleep clinic in Arizona. Uh, Dr. Anderson is board-certified in neurology, sleep, and bariatric medicine. Uh, so, Dr. Anderson, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh,
0: so, <laughs> what made you want to get into
1: sleep? You know, it's interesting. I, I was part of a, a pretty amazing uh, um, experience. In 1997, a career in Airlines Flight 801 crashed in Guam. It was a 747 jet,
0: yeah. and I was
1: in charge of search and rescue. So, I was a primary responder on it. And um, it was just horrific, as you can imagine. There was, um, like, about 250 people on board, and we pulled out about 33 of them. But I remember one particular case, uh, as I was going through the bodies and finding survivors, uh, there was a little crack underneath, like, a big, huge 25-foot of debris, and I crawled underneath it, and there was a, a lady that was hanging upside down. And she was she was pinned, her legs were pinned, but she was still alive. And I got to meet her and you know, obviously I talked to her, I tried to take care of her and, and try to comfort her. But I couldn't get her out. There's nothing I could do. She was pinned by just tons and tons of metal. Okay. And so, um, I was I already had some people ready to go and I heard the helicopters coming, so I had to get out and move those people and then uh, People started bringing me patients, and I was always busy taking care of someone. I kept on trying to send somebody to go and find her, but nobody could. So finally, after um, a, you know, maybe an hour or so, I finally found time to go and see her, and I went to go see her, and she had passed away. And, you know, it struck me because the reason why the accident happened was because the pilot didn't sleep. He basically was supposed to go home, but they made him do another shift. Okay. And so he was tired. So he didn't really. Uh, uh, he misjudged the runway, and he misjudged. He made some bad errors that you would make when you're tired. Okay. And um, there was nothing. You know, I vowed. You know, what could I've done to help people and save them and save people? And there was, in her honor, mm-hmm. there's really nothing I could do for her. But what I could do for her was be an advocate to tell people that they need their rest. Because if they get their rest, they can prevent um, major, you know, catastrophes. As big as that and as small as, you know, forgetting to pay your water bill, you know? So it's just the gamut. And then as I studied sleep more and more, I realized how important sleep was for performance. So in in the um, aviation, when I was in the Navy, I had to train pilots how to take power naps. Because it was well documented and well studied that um, when you're out on mission and the vibration of a helicopter, that if you go in and teach them how to take a 20-minute nap, you can go out and perform even better. And so that connection to performance, and then as I studied it more, the connection to her health, I just um, you know fell in love with it. And it was the one area that I wanted to devote my life into, is helping people get a better sleep.
0: Wow, that's a great story. Now, yeah. it, when you were in the Navy, were, were you a physician at that time as well? Yes, or were I you... was a flight surgeon. Okay. So, yeah,
1: and still kind of open of what I wanted to do because as a flight surgeon, you have an internship, you've got six months of uh, flight training and yeah. um, aviation medicine, and then you're out thrown out into operation.
0: Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Well, wow, so, that, that's a powerful story. Thank you for sharing that. Sure, of course. So one, one of the questions that I get asked about in in my practice and well, when I when I meet people, uh, is they they always ask about well, can you can you explain the sleep cycle to me or or what you know they they, they want a more uh, I think sleep is one of those things that everyone knows is super important. Yes. And in this you know in in this series we're going to de- delve into. Why that is, and what it can affect, and all that good stuff. But mm-hmm. let, let's get let's understand the basics of sleep. And so, can like tell me a little bit more and, and help our listeners understand the sleep cycle. Sure. Uh, so, what happens at each stage? What what does the sleep cycle look like? And sure, we'll, we'll start absolutely. with that. So, there's five stages, right? One stage that we have to include
1: and we can't forget about is wakefulness. That's a state of mind as well. So, if you mean uh, wakefulness is uh, one stage, then our first stage sleep. It would be stage one sleep which is the transition into sleep drowsiness state and then the next stage would be stage two sleep which is the substrate of sleep which we have the majority of our sleep is stage two sleep. Stage three sleep is our dream is our deep sleep and in deep sleep is where we feel the most rest okay. and, uh, and then if you have uh, or actually if the more stage three sleep you get that's more cor- that correlates more directly with have the feeling that you had a good night's rest. And okay. so we call that restorative sleep. Okay. And then you have REM sleep, which is largely unknown, the purpose of that. But um, I have my own thoughts based on my own um, studies and my training and what that is, none of which confirmed. Okay. It does sure. have something to do with memory. So okay. each stage is important. And so obviously wakefulness is when we make things happen. But right. stage one sleep, um, that transitional period is slowly turning things over from uh, reducing sensation, so your audible hearing goes down, your, you obviously close your eyes, so you shut down your visual um, input, your sensory input, your sensory uh, touch, feel, all those senses are, are starting to be reduced at that point. Okay. So that's that. Stage two sleep is uh, really the substrate of sleep. Uh, there's probably a lot of, uh, of uh, proteins being rebuilt and you know, that sort of thing. But stage three sleep is when we feel that uh, um, is a trigger because it's if you get stage three sleep before uh uh, midnight it triggers a cascade of events of timing of hormonal releases throughout the night so um yeah two o'clock cortisol is released you have your your temperature nadir which is the lowest temperature your body has throughout the whole day, which is somewhere around three o'clock in the morning. And then slowly as you start between three to six o'clock in the morning, hormonal changes occur to get you prepared for uh, to attack your day. So thyroid, uh, cortisol, glucose starts coming up. All those things start coming up. So well, finally, when you wake up, you um are restored so stage okay. three sleep is key so for a child for example um stage three sleep triggers growth hormone release even in adults okay and for a child that's uh, that growth hormone which is released in the evening helps you know growth okay for somebody so it's pretty interesting and then uh the other one my thoughts on rem is a is that it helps solidify memory so and this is just my personal thought so none of you listeners out there don't take this to heart (laughs) but you know obviously you know if I asked you you know did you go on vacation last year and you said yes and I asked you if you rent a car you said yes and then I asked you if you rent a you know you stayed in a hotel you'd say yes and I if I asked you you know what room number you stayed in you wouldn't know what that is okay. so there's memory out there that we need immediately it's our RAM mm-hmm. but we don't really need it long term and so we need to get rid of it so we can open our space up for new memory Okay. and uh, RAM sleep to me is like sort of like, like that like a computer defrag where you're getting rid of all the fragments and pulsar you know consolidating things that you should know okay so i consider rem and it, there has been some indirect findings to show that that is uh correlates with memory okay but um and that's what i consider and that is and you sort of have these weird dreams and you know it's during the dream state but what's interesting about uh, rem sleep it's highly interesting because when you're in rem sleep the, body para- the brain paralyzes the body. Why? Because if you act out your dreams, you'll hurt yourself and hurt your bed partner. Okay. So it paralyzes the body, which is phenomenal. Yeah. So it's absolutely. a miracle. The only thing that moves is your eye. Okay. So REM sleep is called rapid eye movement. Mm-hmm. Everything. If I put a needle inside your muscle, and I uh, did a uh, sleep test on you. As yeah. soon as you went into REM sleep, your tone would drop to nothing. Okay. And so it makes it quite interesting because a lot of different things happen then. So sleep apnea, mm-hmm. when you, uh, you know, it's, sleep apnea occurs when the muscles are, uh, relax and cause the air to close. But when you're in REM sleep, now everything's paralyzed, the collapse is at its maximum. And the sleep apnea can be at its worst. Other conditions that happen in REM sleep—if your brain uh, doesn't paralyze your body—that's called REM behavior disorder. Okay. And uh, um, about studies now show that eighty percent of patients that have this REM behavior disorder go on to develop Parkinson's at some point. Oh wow! Okay. So it's really quite interesting. It's a degenerative process where uh, where the different stages aren't controlled well. Mm -hmm. You know by. by the suprachiasmatic nucleus so it's just interesting you know absolutely um, you know so each cycle has, is important we need it but the most important thing how you're going to get is you got to make sure that you're getting your seven and a half to eight hours of sleep at night and okay. making sure you're going to bed before midnight
0: okay now is there does do you go in and out of cycles throughout the night and how long does each cycle typically last in a normal mm-hmm. person you know that, that's yeah. getting good sleep yeah, um, you do. Yeah, so, so, yeah, that's true. So, you
1: basically, you call, there's these things called ultra cycles. Okay. And it, they're 90 minutes. And so we actually have them all day long. Okay. So, um, the typical person, we re- uh, recommend to have five of these ultra cycles. So, 90 minutes, that put you at seven and a half hours. Okay. So, in those 90 minutes, you uh, you know fall into stage one, which is typically, you know, five to 15 minutes or so. And then, uh, um, and then you fall into stage two. uh, And we think of in sleep, we think of it more as a percentage. So about fifty to sixty percent of your night you'd be at stage two. Okay. And then um, you'd have another ten to fifteen percent of that in deep sleep. Another ten to fifteen percent of that in, in REM sleep. And that's what we consider like normal sleep architecture. Okay. But in general, um, you should fall into some sort of REM and finish that cycle by ninety minutes, and then fall through that stage one, stage two, stage three cycle again.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um. And so you 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 did say that. So one of the questions I wanted to ask is: Is one stage more restorative than the other? And that sounded stage like stage three. It's stage three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um. And. and so you, you said that you need about five cycles in order to hit that seven and a half, Mm-mm. or to, to hit seven and a half hours, which is when they say you need seven to eight hours of sleep, that's the reason right That's there. the reason, but it okay. changes, right? Yeah. So one thing that I probably
1: we should mention right here is that as we're talking about the physiology of sleep, mm-hmm. is that as we age, it's different. Okay. So as a, like a newborn needs maybe 12, well, and, you know, some of them need 16, 18 hours, but, you know, as a month passes on, you need less, like 12 hours. As the eyes start to... Um, Uh, developing and they start seeing visual cues and like by the third month most uh, uh, infants would be on the night day cycle okay by three months but they need a lot more sleep and then as they get older they need less sleep so let's say toddlers nine hours or so and then uh, even all the way through elementary school you know uh, they would need uh, nine to ten hours and then um once you start getting, uh, uh, like maybe past that, like 10, 12, you start getting less, like 8 to 9. But what's interesting about it is that when you get into your teenage years, mm-hmm. you start um, going to bed later and waking up later. And that's natural physiology. Okay. It's actually unnatural for us to wake up our kids at you know, 6 a.m., especially in the teenage years and uh, get them to school at seven. It's better if they're going to school around 10, Okay. You know, and getting off at five or six. So you see this movement now. Huh. We, we've been pushing the education system for years, and finally we're seeing some traction where at least the seniors in high school are allowed to go to school 10, 11, and get off later. So okay. yeah, it's really quite nice that's natural. And then as we hit our mid-20s, we get into the productive years, and then you're going back to the 10 to six, typical seven and okay. a half, eight hours and um that lasts for a long time and then when you get past 65 you start needing less sleep um like on the order of five and a half to six and a half hours and then by time you start showing some evidence of alzheimer's that sort of thing it starts getting defragmented again like you're a child's sort of defragmented sleep so it's really quite interesting so it's like not one fits everyone we have short sleepers that require five and a half i only need like maybe six and a half hours my wife needs eight and a half to nine hours so i go to bed later and she does and i get up at the same time you know so it, it the bottom line is is that if you um are sleeping four and a half to five and a half hours and you can go about the rest of your day and not feel tired not feel fatigued not feeling like you're missing out on something then then you are normal Okay. For you. Okay. You know? Interesting. Yeah, so you could get seven and a half hours and be tired and wiped out all day, mm-hmm. but you might be somebody that needs nine hours of sleep. So, okay. everybody's different. Okay. So, yeah. so,
0: even, I mean, I know you broke, you did a great job at breaking everything up by age, but mm-hmm. even if you went and had, um, like, if, if you had ten people or even less, five people that are all the same age they can all vary depending on their unique absolutely okay absolutely so as uh, uh, for yourself you mm-hmm. know i mean the biggest key is if you're tired and fatigued and missing
1: out in life okay you know, if you have a sleep issue yeah but as physicians if you're a physician or a caretaker out there and listening to it that uh, the one key doesn't fit all right so you really need to ask what their function is are like, you tired in a day Are you like missing out you know everybody's doing stuff and you know, playing like a bag toss and you're on the sleep because you're too tired. Well, that's an issue.
0: Okay. That's a problem. Okay. Yeah. So we talked about the sleep cycle. Now, what about, what, what is it in our body or what are the different factors that tell us to go to sleep? Like, if, yeah, again, normal person. Yeah. Well, that's really
1: complicated yeah, for sure. this discussion. Yeah. But I think that um, it, uh, there's a lot of neurotransmitters like mm-hmm. gabapentin a big one, acetylcholine yeah. a big one. But... What's interesting about it is like, for example, gabapentin, there might be a buildup of gabapentin so it gets to a critical tipping point threshold, Mm -hmm. and once it gets past it, it induces that if you close your eyes, it favors sleep, and then as you sleep, that reduces, and then there might be acetylcholine or something like that. One of these um, excitatory transmitters that would increase to the point where now it is is stimulating you that it favors wakefulness okay and then when you get into your dream sleep that's a completion of a sleep cycle that is when you're most sensitive to wake up in fact if you wake up um, halfway in between you may not feel restored okay. so you know uh, if you wake up like let's say in the middle of that 90 minutes at the 40 minute mark, you may not feel restored it might be better for you to finish the 90 minute cycle in fact when i teach people how to do uh, power naps the reason why we want them to wake up 20 minutes or less is because we don't want them to get into a full 90-minute cycle. Okay. if they do, and they wake up at 40, 50 minutes, they're going to wake up groggy and tired. Okay. The same thing with sleep drunkenness. If you get an extra cycle of, of sleep, more than you need, if you're a seven-and-a-half-hour sleeper, and then you get nine-and-a-half, ten-hour sleeper, sleep, you might get something called sleep drunkenness where you feel kind of like wiped out and fatigued yeah. all day.
0: Okay. And you yeah. said that's from waking
1: up before the cycle's So done. two ways you can do it. One so, way is to waking up before the cycle's completed, the okay. other way is oversleeping. Oversleeping. You know, okay, okay. You only need seven and a half hours of sleep. Okay. And you're getting nine and a half. And it's a common mistake. Patients will be up all day and they feel like, okay, I need to sleep the next day all day. But that's not really true. You just need your yourself so seven and a half hours to be restored. Okay. It's like, as soon as, you know, your batteries could be out in your, in your phone for five days, once you plug it in, it don't need to be plugged in for a few hours to be charged. It doesn't be plugged in. Okay. Know, yeah, yeah. Five days later to charge it up. Just, you know, one charge does it. Okay.
0: So how, how would someone be able to tell the difference or is there a way to tell the difference between I overslept or I woke up in the middle of a cycle? Yeah. And just knowing your body. You uh-huh. know, yeah, it's like, you know,
1: trial and error. One of the best things that I always ask my patients is how are you on weekends or how are you on vacation? Okay. Because work is kind of like uh, it's not really a good indicator. Right, but right. It, but naturally, if you would have nothing to wake you up, what time would you wake up? Okay. Right? Yeah, I love that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, most people kind of wake up. Most people that oversleep. What will happen is, you know, that maybe sleep too much, the sleep drunkenness state mm-hmm. is they'll sort of wake up and maybe get up, use the bathroom, or do something, and then they go back to bed. And okay. that's kind of when you like oversleep and then can get the sleep drunkenness. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, so we, we understand a very, a very basic understanding of the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are some of the, the benefits of sleep?
1: Oh, the benefits of sleep are huge. So first of all, studies have shown that um, if you lack sleep, you increase your risk for Alzheimer's disease. Okay. So there's a lot of things that happen in sleep that restores the brain, you know, and, and this is sort of uh, my, uh, um, again, uh, me deducing from all the research and studying that I've, I've done. This is what I teach my patients and there's a lot of indirect studies to support this. But yeah. You know, uh, uh, when you're sleeping at night, that's when the brain has a chance to recover. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things it does at night is it creates, it makes and develops neurotransmitters. And um, in the day, we use those neurotransmitters, and uh, they break you out to their byproduct. Um, nighttime is when we take those byproducts and recycle them to remake uh, uh, neurotransmitters. Well, if you have, uh, um, if you go throughout the day and you keep building up these byproducts, that's trash. You mm-hmm. know, and so that trash can build up in a cell and kill it so that's uh um, so memory is huge and so uh, um not being having um your neurons working effectively communicating effectively with other neurons you'll have this dys- brain dysfunction which will cause problems with tiredness memory um cognitive uh, um, abilities okay um, and uh, being optimal and like that's why i said it's so important to performance there are really good studies to show okay. that lack of sleep increases um Accidents, Okay. You know, motor vehicle accidents is one that everyone's interested in, but all kinds of accidents. Okay. You know, it doesn't, um, but they studied it, it doesn't change your ability to make decisions, which is interesting. Okay. You know, because like from a physician standpoint, you can still make the right decision um, if with lack of sleep. But it does impair your um, visual spatial coordination and those sorts of things. So, okay. Um, they've also shown that sleep uh, slows down your efficiency. So uh, if you are well rested, you can do three to up to nine times more work with less time than somebody who isn't well rested. So instead of you staying up all night and spending from like 11 o'clock to three or four o'clock in the morning trying to do a project, you could probably do that same four hour project if you wake up early in the morning from like for five o'clock to six, you can probably complete the whole thing in an hour. Okay. But at nighttime, you know, you're, you're um, It's just uh, you're not as efficient. So it helps the efficiency. It helps performance. It helps memory. Mm-hmm. So there's just a whole lot of benefits. So not to mention how a lot of studies have shown that it affects um, your uh, cardiovascular system if you lack like, sleep. They've done a study, um, an old old study, and they took um, college kids, and what they did was they told one set of college kids that um, you guys, once you have seven and a half hours, they have food available, they had exercise equipment available, they had all kinds of different foods, and then the other group, you only gave them four hours of sleep, same access to everything, and what they found was, was after the end of two months, um, the group that uh, slept well were real diligent, they exercised, they ate healthy foods. Um, they got healthy mm-hmm. the group that only slept four hours tend to like eat like french fries and, and bad foods for you didn't exercise mm-hmm. and um, at the end of it their blood pressures were higher the glucose was higher their cholesterol was higher okay and they were more apt for syndrome X and the group that uh, that slept well that was the only difference between the two
0: okay so it's interesting really important, yeah yeah okay now so that there's many benefits to it what are some of uh Like what are the top three things that you see affected by sleep in in your experience or in your practice?
1: Yeah, so you know, probably uh, work performance would be one um, that I see is that a lot of patients uh, uh, complain that. Yeah, or they come to me finally when it's starting to affect their, <laughs> yeah. their job ability. So um, that's one. And then also missing out on the, um, experiences at, in their home, and they just feeling like you know they're. I, I get a lot of complaints from the their family members saying that you know like they're not their wife or their spouse or husband is asleep all afternoon mm-hmm. and. They're completely missing each other so those are some of the things that you you know i see a lot and then um you know perform at school a lot of kids you okay. know if they can't sleep at night it affects their their academic but mostly a uh, performance and engagement and um with family members activities and stuff and social gatherings
0: okay now you, you said though for like work and school performance going back to what you mm-hmm. one of the studies you had mentioned Their ability to make decisions isn't affected, but it's more like is work performance um, efficiency. Efficiency, yeah, efficiency. Like
1: you know, you know, you can do uh, a a lot more in less time. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then someone who has that uh, a physical job where they need that visual and spatial coordination, that's obviously going to be super important for them. Yeah, memory and cognitive abilities. So you know, so if you yeah, you have to be able to apply yourself.
1: Okay. And uh, have memory and. And not to mention, and and things, something that we really don't need to study for, but I'm sure there's one. But if you don't like get to sleep, you're cranky. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for and, sure. <laughs> right. And in any job, if you're cranky, you're not going to get along with your coworkers. Yeah. Your clients. So. That could definitely. Yeah, have affect your work. For sure. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So, so then, what's the definition, or what is, what would you say is a good definition of quality sleep? So quality
1: sleep to me is sleep that is functional. Okay. In
0: other words, somebody is
1: able to. To live life to the fullest, engage in it, uh, feel like they're sharp, mentally focused, they can apply themselves, make good decisions, and they can uh, engage in activities throughout the day, and sleep does not control them. Okay. Tiredness does not control them. So that's a um, high quality sleep because yeah. it's different in everybody. Yeah, it is, you know. But somebody can say like I had six hours, but it completely restores them. Somebody can say that they've had eight or nine hours and they're still tired throughout the day, which means they're having low quality sleep. And that's all dependent on daytime sleepiness. So I think that's the first clue that you're not having uh, that you're having an issue is if you're tired in the daytime.
0: Okay. Perfect. Um, is there anything else that our listeners should or that you like, anything else you'd like to explain to our listeners to, to help them understand sleep or any other key points? Well, that should, I mean, there is a really you know. key point. I want
1: to maybe um, end with this. Okay. And that's, uh, um We think uh, it's interesting, you know, when you break down what we need for survival. Probably the most important element that we need for survival is air. If we don't get it, we die in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. The second most important element we need for survival is water. If we don't get it, we'll die in three to five days. And then if I ask people, this is where I think the, the big mistake and the big, uh, well, I mean, I think it's, a, yeah, a big mistake that society is, is, understands. And they think that food is probably more, the next more important, because without food, you'll die in 30 days. But what's interesting is they did a study to show that in fact sleep is more important than food. Okay. People don't think of it that way. They did this study on rats and they discovered that, you know, they can go 30, 40 days without food, but they can only go 12 days without sleep and the death that they have is horrible. Yeah, I bet. You know, yeah. So within the first day or two they're like moody, they're biting each other, they're fighting and then um, and then they start hallucinating the third, fourth day. They started getting uh, stressed. Okay. The fifth day, hair starts falling out. They started having fevers and infections, seventh, eighth, ninth eight. day. And then by the twelfth day, you know, they're dead. So yeah. it's a miserable, horrible death without sleep. And so, uh, um, and I think that the, the take-home message is, is that sleep is often taken for granted, but we shouldn't. We should be diligent. And so things like uh, um, penetrate our ability to sleep. We allow uh, computers and Netflix and our phone and Facebook and social media and all that stuff. And work and like things that are going on across the world infiltrate our time when we should be sleeping. You yeah. know? And I always tell my patients after 7 o'clock... At night, uh, you need to start transitioning to sleep, so you're in bed by 9, 30, 10. So after seven o'clock, you reach your you reach the end of your day. You reach the uh, the line, the the finish line. Now it's time for you to like enjoy your family, have dinner, you know things like that. Okay. And then um, I'd rather have a week to do that, and then wake up early, and, and um, then be up all night. Right. People allow anxiety, so anxiety causes insomnia and stuff. They allow that stuff to. Just be part of them 24-7, and then I'll know how to like cut it out or, or, or compartmentalize okay. that stuff out of it. So I would say I take home message is sleep is important. Don't take it for granted. Um, it's more important than food. Just yeah. like you need to go shopping or prepare to eat, you need to do everything you can to prepare to sleep.
0: Yeah, I, I love that comparison. So No, that's great. Um, so we're going to go ahead and finish up this podcast on uh, understanding sleep and the basics of sleep. Uh, so just to summarize a few things that Dr. Anderson said, um, sleep exists or the sleep cycle exists with five different stages. Uh, there's wakefulness and then stage one is uh, drowsiness. Stage two is, where, is what you call sleep so substrate. Sleep, yeah. um, and then stage three is your deep sleep and stage four is uh, your REM and, and each have their own importances or, or you know, each are important in their own reason uh, and you can go back and listen to that for those particular reasons um, one sleep cycle lasts about 90 minutes. And the reason that we say you need seven to eight hours of sleep on average is that, uh, you, you want ideally, uh, five 90 minute cycles, which comes out to seven and a half hours. So as you, one thing to keep in mind is as you age, um, and, and well, even regardless of you age, everyone's a little different. And so some people can last on, Four and a half to five hours of sleep, whereas others might need uh, closer to nine, ten hours of sleep. Uh, so, uh, one way to figure that out is uh, to to ask yourself, how are you on vacation or on the weekends? When do you typically wake up, uh, and, and just kind of follow your cycles throughout that, and that'll kind of that'll give you an idea of of how many, roughly, an idea of, of the amount of cycles that you need. Um, benefits of sleep include. Uh, brain recovery, increased efficiency, uh, better cardiovascular health, uh, and then some of the things that Dr. Anderson mentioned that he sees um, in his practice with people who lack sleep is a decrease in work performance and school performance because they're they're not as efficient as they would be with sleep. And then um, probably one of the more important ones is, is missing out on, on experiences with their family and friends. Um, definition of quality sleep is... Is uh, being able to, is what he called functional sleep, where you can um, live in your life and, and enjoy it without missing out on anything. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, he ranks sleep as number three on what you need in order to survive uh, following air and water. And, and studies have shown that sleep is more important than food. Uh, so I th- think we threw a lot of information at you just starting with the basics. Our very next episode is going to be uh, common reasons why people lose sleep, and uh, Dr. Anderson is going to give us a few ways on on how to fix those uh, for self-care. So, Dr. Anderson, thank you for being on the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: And uh, he'll be back next week uh, with our next episode. So hope you enjoyed this one, and thanks for listening.